Chase Kitty on the High Motor Podcast talking here on Sunday what should have been day two of the second round of the NCAA tournament. We should have been preparing for what should have been eight teams punching those Sweet 16 tickets. Instead, uh, it's just Sunday with absolutely nothing. And Chase, I I mentioned this very briefly on the last episode with Teddy Greenstein uh, last Wednesday, how it's weird because it's the first time ever that our lives just aren't guided by sports. I mean, not even just those in the industry like you and I and a lot of other people, but I mean, but Chase, think about it. How many decisions are made by you or maybe how many questions are answered with a, well, it depends on what time the game is or sure, let's go after the game. Think about that, how bizarre that is for the first time ever. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to somebody who is self-employed and, and does his own thing professionally. So I actually can plan my entire like this is one of the big benefits of why I do what I do. I plan my entire day around like, oh, you know what I really want to do? I want to watch the semifinals in that random like ATP Roma, like this random clay season tennis game. Or, oh, like I really wanted to watch, you know, I have a friend who wants to watch EPL. He wants somebody to watch it with. So we're getting up early to watch it at 9 a.m. or basketball or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, nothing is happening. And all I have to do is like, Pilates and play 14 hours of Xbox a day like this is it's just really weird you know what the other thing that doesn't matter anymore and I'm a big time zone guy I think whatever time zone that you that you live in is a huge deal and it, that only matters for sports yeah it matters for stocks and business and that kind of crap anyways but that stuff doesn't actually matter in real life sports does and with four different time zones it's so much different because I mean like, for example you're an Orioles fan if the Orioles are playing out on the West Coast, the Mariners, that's what, a 10 o'clock first pitch for you? That changes everything about your day. Or if it's a, a 4 p.m. game on like a Wednesday instead of a 1 p.m. game at Camden Yards, that completely changes your day for you. So time zones have become so irrelevant to us in the sports world. Well, and you picked an interesting example because if the Orioles are playing the Angels and first pitch is 10.05, uh, your boy is probably not staying up to watch them lose by 17 runs, but your point is well taken. All right, we're going to do two main things here. Number one, some some college basketball closure. How can we bring closure to a college basketball season that abruptly ended? And, and I intentionally waited, we're what, 10 days, 11 days out from when the season was actually canceled. I wanted to wait a little bit to kind of see how this sat. I've tried to avoid as much college basketball stuff. I had a mute Joe Lenardi on Saturday night because he's doing like those tweet updates of fictional games and I get why he's doing it and it's it's interesting it's creative but I've tried to avoid everything like that because it's it's annoying like it's almost saddening to it's see depressing yeah it, it is it's extremely depressing I was okay on Thursday like I, I was in a decent mindset on Thursday and then for whatever whatever reason on Friday I was just sad like the whole day, it was bizarre. And I get, we're going to talk about closure here. And I get that this was the right decision. So I'm not in any way saying that this matters. We're just going to get that out there now. But on Friday, I just kind of had a crappy day because I was just sad. So we're going to talk about the closure of the college basketball season. And one piece of that is who lost the most? 
which for which teams did did this cancellation of the tournament suck the most? And then the second half of the show, uh, so I'm actually in the middle of Goodfellas right now. I haven't seen that in several years, but kind of a different type of movie TV topic. We're going to talk here about some shows, some movies that are a little bit deeper um, into that that streaming virtual vault. You're going to run out of stuff to watch. I'm sure people are already running out of stuff to watch. Right, if you're not working from home, you and I are still you know working on things, so I'm not just sitting at home watching stuff all day, but I'm even running out of things to watch. I'm sure a lot of people are if you're not doing anything. And then kind of with that conversation, I'm going to give Chase the floor also briefly for an expansion of that conversation uh, into video games if you're... You guys, you guys still call yourself gamers? Is that still in play? Sure. Gamers? Yeah. Closure. So, again, I think the <clears throat> the ultimate closure here, and I guess, Chase, you can disagree with me if you really want to. I You seem to be very level-headed and reasonable, so you're probably not going to. The ultimate closure here is knowing that this was the right decision. At, at no point over the last week and a half have I been saying, why did they cancel the tournament? This was a bad decision. We, we agree with that, that that piece of it we have no problem getting over. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Had to, so in, Had to do it. In, in this case, let's ask and answer this question to see if it can bring some closure. I'm already worried that's just going to make closure more difficult. We're just going to get farther into the rabbit hole, but we're still going to do it. What teams lost the most? We talked a little bit before we hopped on here. Are you of the belief that someone like Dayton, San Diego State, we could even throw like Hofstra in there, making the first tournament appearance in two decades. Rutgers was going to do that first time since 91, I think. What what school of thought are you subscribing to here? Did Kansas, who I think was by far the best team in college basketball, I think maybe a bold statement this was the best Kansas team in the last 10, 12, 15 years. Do you think that Kansas lost more than Dayton or San Diego State? Or because those mid-majors aren't in this position as often, they lost more. What side of that are you on? I'm on the mid-major side of it because it's a chance to completely change the way that we talk about or look at a program. And I think, I I agree with you, this Kansas team, especially by the end of the year, really, really good, man. Like I, I think it would have been really hard for somebody to beat them. I don't think they were unbeatable, but in a year where it seemed like, you know, we talk about parity all the time. There was a lot of parity this year, even relative to other seasons. So I do think Kansas had a really strong case uh, to make, to go to the national championship game, but we don't look at Kansas any differently, right? From a national standpoint, locally, if you want to talk about what happens in Lawrence, Sure, there's more energy. You might even get a recruiting boost, even though Kansas already recruits phenomenally. You're obviously going to see donations go up. You're going to see applications to the school go up. Like All of those things are going to happen. But I I think looking at it from the VCU perspective is good. What happens if you erase the 2011 NCAA tournament? VCU is not today what it became. Because you took that one year away from them where they made everything happen for themselves. Well, yeah, it would just go back to, and you can speak to this, you know, better being in Virginia for a lot of this. It goes back to, I'm trying to think of VCU before that. Because remember they had the Duke Duke in like 07. So you kind of have to go back to what they were before 2011. And they were a a pretty good program. I mean, they won 28, 24, 24, 27, and then 28 games in 2011. They made... Uh, tournament appearances. They they got better under Jeff Capel. They were really good under Anthony Grant. But 
so you're you're approaching this more of a how do we treat these programs and and to you you think there's a lot of value there was a massive springboard opportunity for schools like san diego state and dayton if those schools live up to the hype that they had built for themselves throughout the year if they go on a final four run if they play in the national championship game even if they lose I still think that's a massive get for those schools. Like Brian Dutcher is probably never going to have a team this good again. It doesn't doesn't that seem unlikely? Yeah, I think it seems un- unlikely. And I, while you were talking here, I just kind of pulled up some of these teams to see, like last time they were in, you know, at what level of the tournament? Dayton, San Diego State, even Creighton. And even though we, a lot of my the reason why I brought this up was to talk about Dayton, but. As we just talked about before we hopped on here, Dayton was just in the, in the Elite Eight six years ago. 2014, they had the Elite Eight run. That's kind of what got Archie Miller into the national picture. But San Diego State has, I didn't know this, San Diego State has never been past the Sweet 16, and it took them until 2011 just to get to the Sweet 16. You look at Creighton, for example, Creighton's even worse. They haven't been to the Sweet 16 since 1974. So in the expanded era of the tournament, they've never been past the second round. Yeah, and these are established non-major programs. Like, we know who they are, but they haven't had— I think you could say that Dayton probably has, uh, because that run a few years ago was really nice. But for a lot of these teams, they haven't had the signature holy shit kind of run that that really moves them to the next level. Do you think there's any sort of comparison to Creighton, San Diego State? Maybe Dayton, I think, is really unique. But let's say San Diego State and Creighton, maybe specifically Creighton. Do you think there's any comparison there with Creighton to what Texas Tech was before last year, before they made that run? And because before last year, they hadn't, they had, they were in the Elite Eight in 2018, but they had never advanced beyond that. Before 2018, they hadn't been to the Sweet 16 since 2005, and then 96 was the only other one in the expanded era. Is there any sort of comparison? I mean, think of how we're talking about Texas Tech, and even though I think Chris Beard and Texas Tech got a lot of attention before they even made that run last year to the national championship. But yeah, if you're a Big 12 how, guy, you knew who Chris Beard was, but I get what oh, you're Oh, absolutely. Yeah, think of how we're talking about Texas Tech in the national picture this year. I mean, they, they were fine this year, but they were a bubble team. They were going to be a 10, 11, or 12 seed, and yet Texas Tech, Texas Tech still got a pretty good amount of love. Do you think there's any comparison for if Creighton were to have done that this year, how we're talking about Creighton next year nationally, how much attention they're getting, how much more money they're getting, how much more exposure they're getting? I think there's some comparison to be made, but I I think when you're a power five school and you do what Texas Tech did last year, it's just, it's going to resonate longer. It's, you're going to get more out of that, right? It's, you're going to have way more, cachet for longer periods of time it's going to be more sustainable like all you really need is one good run as a power five school and then you can sort of establish yourself until you have a long bout of sucking or your coach leaves or you have some sort of scandal like it's so easy to establish yourself as a power five school i want to push back against you a little bit here and i'm really i i don't think that i'm biased in this opinion i really try hard not to be as a kansas alum but i think that I don't even disagree with with you saying that it means more for Dayton, or excuse me, Dayton lost more, San Diego State lost more, Creighton lost more, Hofstra, Rutgers, that group of teams lost more. I still think that winning a national championship in the case of Kansas, who it's been a while, it's been 12 years, that's a pretty long stretch for a program like that, winning a national championship, because Dayton was a good team. 
I, I don't know if Dayton was, and it's hard to say they're not a Final Four team because, as we've seen, anybody can make the damn Final Four. They can be, they can get the run and get there. I, I see Dayton as being an Elite Eight team. So Dayton making another Elite Eight, how how is that worth more to that school and to that, we even say conference if you want to, than Kansas winning a national championship? That's kind of what I struggle with. If you want to make the argument that Dayton could have won the national championship, absolutely. Dayton winning the national championship is way more for that school, way more for that program, and way more for the Atlantic 10 than Kansas winning a national championship. So let me go back and say, where did you even think we didn't have a bracket, so it's hard. Where did you think Dayton or San Diego State was even going to land in this tournament? Man, questions like that are always just so hard because it's all about matchups. Yeah, I'm not I telling guess you anything ballpark, you don't already know. But... Ballpark, what would you put them at? Are you, are you kind of pegging them as like, yeah, Dayton was a Sweet 16 Elite 18? I think they could have both gone to the Final Four. I don't think that's that crazy. Do you I, think they could have won the national championship? No. No, I don't. But I think they could have gone to the Final Four. And I think... If the if San Diego State goes to the Final Four, that is a program altering run. I don't think Kansas winning another national championship, even if it's been twelve years, alters where they are as a program. So that's the line for you. Even though with Kansas, I mean, we can talk about enrollment and fundraising and all that. Kansas will get an explosion of that. Ultimately, how much is that actually changing? And the bigger picture, how much is that actually changing the university? How much is it actually changing Lawrence? Whereas if Dayton were to go to the Final Four, the, the program altering, you use VCU as an example, we can go back to Butler. If Butler doesn't make those back-to-back national championships game, championship games, how much does that... Yes, like they always had Hinkle Fieldhouse, and they had good teams, and Thad Mata and all that. They had good teams before that run under Brad Stevens, but... I just wrote about this. I I did. I ranked the top 25 coaching hires since 2000, and maybe we can talk about that more in depth on a future podcast. It, it doesn't seem like we really realized that Butler went to back-to-back national championship games. Like, we get it. Everybody knows that happens. But we don't think about, like, How the, unbelievable that yeah. is. I don't think it we was a, They were a Horizon League team. Right. They went to back-to-back national championship games. And they're what, what they I think somebody did a sports science or something on Gordon Hayward's shot, and it was like a half an inch off of winning, of beating Duke and winning the national championship. I mean, that's not Texas Tech winning the national championship. That's Butler. I mean, think about if VCU had a national championship right now, or if Butler had a national championship. So, anyways, it seems like you're drawing the line. What is altering the program? Even though Kansas will get money, they will get enrollment. We're not going to look at Kansas any way differently. They could have the same. They'll be worse next year, I think. But they're going to have other chances to win a national championship. Yeah. And the part of my argument I don't like is that it, it doesn't examine the human level of like a Kansas fan or a Kansas player. Because obviously if Kansas wins the national championship, like that is a level of happiness you are creating for fans. That is a level of accomplishment for players that for those people – is infinitely more gratifying than a Dayton fan enjoying a Final Four run, right? Like, those things are not the same thing. You can't compare them. But I feel like from a from the wide lens, I'm more interested in how a program completely alters itself. You know, if you, if you want to look at Gonzaga, Gonzaga had an early run and then got a great coach, and those two things together, I think, have 
put them on a slow upward trend where now they're, you know, they're arguably a top five program right now in college basketball. So uh, kind of hold on. I want to, I want to get something in because you, you kind of touched on that and then going big picture. I kind of want to like be the civil servant to here and say, how does, how has Gonzaga transformed college basketball? And even go back to VCU and Butler because we have these teams and I don't, I don't think people really, I mean, does anybody dislike Gonzaga? Like, are there actual people without any sort of affiliation or baked in atrocity to, to Gonzaga actually dislike Gonzaga? That doesn't exist, right? I don't think so. So yeah. what Gonzaga has given us over the last, God, now 20, I think 97 or 90 or 98 or 99. I can't remember that, that first run of the Elite Eight, whenever that was. What Gonzaga has given college basketball and given college basketball fans, same thing with VCU, throw all of those teams in there. How is that worth just more than what a Kansas national championship? That that kind of gets into what you were talking about. How on earth do you quantify what a Kansas national championship means to to those players, means to fans, versus what a Gonzaga national championship means to college basketball fans in general? There's no way to quantify that. Yeah, and, and look, people can disagree on what they like better, college football or college basketball. I'm a basketball guy, and I and I always will be. And one of the reasons I like it better is because there's the the centers of power are, are less centralized. Like with football, we're going to go, if we have a season next season, we're going to go into next season and we know that we, if there, we, could, we could put a list of five schools together and there is a 98% chance that one of those five schools is going to win the national championship, right? College basketball, you can't really do that. And it's because there's less players and it's easier to get really good. You need fewer stars. And it's it's just a more interesting national product because you have Gonzagas and Butlers and VCUs and, and Creightons and San Diego States and, and schools that are not like traditional Power 5 powerhouse programs, but they're still really good. And you can, you can move yourself out of irrelevance to sort of national relevance very, very quickly. Look at what Butler and VCU did, right? Like both of those programs got so much juice out of basically one class or one or two runs. They're not even in, this, in, in the same conferences that they were when that happened. And it was less than a decade ago. So, yeah. Can we fast forward like 10 years? And let's say that Dayton kind of just does what they've been doing for the last six or seven years. You know, they're, they're a good mid-major they're kind of like in that six to seven, eight seed conversation every year. Sometimes maybe they'll make the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, but they're not going to have a team like this. Let's fast forward 10 years. Dayton now is kind of always going to be that team. God, remember that Dayton team from 2020 that couldn't play? That's going to kind of be their thing, won't it? That's what's unfortunate about this, and that's kind of why I preface. I thought this could bring us closure, but then like, that's why I preface this by like, almost questioning our segment where now we don't we don't have that. Like Dayton is just this th- that's their thing now. It's just this Dayton team that we didn't get and I don't know if Dayton would have made a run to Atlanta. Maybe they would have. Let's say they did and they're playing for the national championship. As a college basketball fan, now I don't have that. I mean like I, I was in Minneapolis watching Texas Tech and Virginia last year. Seeing that was huge I think for college basketball. And even though people bitched and moaned about oh it's going to be a defensive battle, it's going to be so boring, we got a phenomenal game. Between two teams that seven or eight years ago we could never have dreamed would have been in that position. And I think because of that, it, it made college basketball better for everybody. And now we don't 
have what could have happened. I mean, maybe Hofstra, their first tournament in two decades, maybe they could have won a first-round game. Or maybe Rutgers would have made a run and made college basketball better. I mean, who actually hates Rutgers? Everyone rips on Rutgers for football. and Why are they in the Big Ten? But nobody actually hates Rutgers. I think a Rutgers run would have made college basketball better. So I don't, I have no better closure now than 20 minutes ago. Do you? No. I'm actually more mad now. Great. Mm. Thanks a lot, Chase. Welcome. Let's talk about movies and TV shows that maybe people haven't heard of. And in this streaming virtual world, I think it's kind of hard to find those movies because everyone is watching so many of them all the time. But what do you got for us? Like I said this morning that I've been watching Goodfellas over the last couple of days because I haven't seen it in a while. Obviously, everybody has heard of that. Most people have seen it. What do you got for us that maybe you have to dig a little bit deeper for? Well, first of all, before I go to the level five stuff and and start talking about stuff you never heard of, I just think it's, it's a good time to watch anything that you haven't seen before. Right? Like if, if you're not a TV snob, like I, I think I'm a little bit of a TV snob. I will admit to that. Uh, I love like the prestige, like go watch Breaking Bad, go watch the wire, go watch the Sopranos, go watch six feet under. Like this is a great time to get, all the way through one of those really meaty series that everybody talks about. And you're just like, man, when am I going to have time to watch that thing? So that you feel like more, you, yeah, you're, you're playing, you have you're, yeah, you have time to actually do this. Whereas before you, you don't have the house money. You're saying, I only have two hours. I'm not going to waste it on this. That's your point. Right. Like, so that, that's, that's the first place to start. Right. Like I, I was, I was talking to my mom last night who is famously like not super pop culture person. And I was like, man, if you're ever going to do this, like, this is the time you're stuck in your house. Like go, go watch some thing and that, that you would normally maybe not watch cause you don't have the time. But now like go watch, if you're like one of the seven people left that hasn't seen game of Thrones, like admit to yourself that you just weren't watching it because at this point it's just cool to say you haven't seen it when everybody else is like, what, what do you mean? You haven't seen it. Just, I haven't seen it. Yeah. But so, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Because I hadn't seen it till last year. And when people are like, what do you mean you haven't seen it? You get to be the guy that's like, yep, haven't seen it. Probably not going to see it. Yeah, and I don't even care. I've seen like a few episodes and it's at the point where I don't care. It's not my deal. You can yell at me or whatever, but it's not for me. I I thought it was a little overrated, but we, we've had that we've had that conversation about Breaking Bad too. Um, yeah, so that's that's my first piece of advice, right? Like go pick one of those really great shows and watch. All right, that. now get off your soapbox and actually sure. give us some stuff. I'll here. get off my soapbox now. Uh, there's a there's a show on Hulu called Chance. It's what Hugh Laurie did after House was over, and he it, it's a really interesting show. It's sort of a psychological thriller. Uh, I was shocked that it didn't get more pub when it came out because I think it's a couple years old now. There's two seasons. It's really good. It's really it's really interesting. He he plays sort of. I mean, he, he's a doctor again, but he's he's nothing like House. He's this like psycho. He's like a psychologist kind of. It, it's it's just really interesting and it's a thriller. Uh, you, you'll know one or two episodes in if it's for you or not. Yeah, I'm I looking it up. Really I've good. never heard of it. So he was a forensic neurophys forensic neuropsychiatrist. Yes. Okay. Which which is why I just said <laughs> he's some kind of psychologist. Yeah, some kind of a doctor. Yeah, he's some yeah. kind of doctor. Yeah, I ran on Hulu 2016, 2017. I've never heard of it. It's really good. Uh, I have a feeling that when we're doing this exercise, you're going to have some deeper pulls than I will. Uh, maybe. That could be true. 
I would imagine I have, I'm not going to go through all of these. I have how many ideas? One, two, three, four, five movies and one TV show. I would bet you know all of them. And I will not know a single one that you're talking about. You're forcing me to brag about my catalog uh, <laughs> and how single I am. But yeah, that's probably true. Have you seen Magic City? Sure. So that's not a as deep of a... That's what I kind of struggle with here. I don't know what... I don't have a good pulse on what people have seen. And and like, do people still have stars? Does that even still exist anymore? It does exist. I... I for some reason, I have a cable package. I don't know why. But I have stars in my cable package, so I feel like I'm the only person that still watches stars. Yeah, so Magic City, this was on stars uh, 2012-2013. Again, same with Chance. Only did two seasons before they yanked it. And I was excited about this because it was supposed to get a movie follow-up, and I think some big stars were attached to it. I don't know if that still actually happened. Anyways, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it. It's 19, 1950s Miami, which makes kind of makes the show cool. You know, if you like Mrs. Maisel, it has that same type of ambiance in Magic City. Like the 1950s thing really will pull you in. I think there are some there are some holes in it, but he runs this Miami hotel, very visually appealing. Like I said, if you like Maisel, it has kind of that that same ambiance to a completely different show, 16 episodes. So it'll take you take up some of your time if that's what you're looking for. Um, don't really expect to be on the edge of your seat for it. It's more of a throw it on kick back, relax. I think it's like a 40 minute episode. And again, there are, there are some problems to it, but I think because of how it feels, it's worth a shot. I don't even know where you can watch it besides stars. And since nobody has stars anymore, I don't know where you watch the show. Uh, Since you brought up stars, I don't even think I was going to go here when we were talking about stuff. But since you brought it up, there's a show, uh, I I'm pretty sure it's on stars. It's called the girlfriend experience. Oh yeah, and, with uh, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, an so an- th- anthology show, right? Do what? It's an anthology show. Uh, right? I don't think so. Are you sure? No, I'm not. <laughs> what am I thinking of? I watched like half of a season on a plane, and I was like, I'm kind of into this. But it, it's about uh, it's about this girl who's in law school, and she like has a nightlife as a, a very high end escort, and like that's kind of how she pays for stuff. And it's, it's, it's very different. There's obviously a lot of sex and a lot of nudity. So if that's not what you're looking for, I, you know, keep it moving. Ah, so what what I'm thinking of, so it's two different stories, season one to season two. So they go with the same story, all of season one. Yes. And then they feature two new stories, season two. I, I remember watching the first episode and I don't know why I never went back to it. I remember it's referenced on Entourage because that's Sasha Gray is in She's a porn star, and she's in the girlfriend experience as a real actress. Yeah, and the the main character I didn't know this at the time I watched it, but I found out later is Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. How old is Lisa Marie Presley? Uh, I think she's well, her daughter's thirty because she was born like two years before me, or a year 50, before me, or something. Fifty two. So. Yeah, that's. I didn't great. think she was fifty two. Huh? Did you ever see Honey Boy? No. Amazon Prime. No. Do you know what it is? No. So that's the the Shia LaBeouf movie where he it's basically his who, who his is, life. Who is movie is it? LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. It's basically his life. He he wrote this. I think he wrote it while he was in rehab, and it it's pretty new. I think it's within the last year or two of this. It's him. It's like a, him as a child actor and his really uncomfortably bizarre relationship with his dad, who's just like a total asshole and he Shia LaBeouf plays 
his dad in the movie. You know what I want? I want Shia LaBeouf to become like a part-time porn star. And then he can have a second persona that he goes into when he's shooting porn. And that guy's name can be Shia LaBeouf. That's the beef. Yeah. Anyways. Where's the beef? It's right there. Did you ever see him in uh, American Honey? No. Do you know what that is? No. That's also one that's worth watching. It's a little bit longer, really slow, uh, easy watch. But I, I would check out Honey Boy first. I think that's a little bit shorter. Um, Lucas Hedges is in it. He plays the older version of Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeef. LaBeouf? I'm LaBeouf. just going with LaBeef now. <laughs> Anyways, it, it's it's a very simple. It feels like an independent film. I don't know if it is or not, but he wrote it. He's in it. Highly recommend it. It's, you're going to watch it and walk away being like, what the fuck was that? But it's very real, and it's it's interesting. L- different vibe than Peanut Butter Falcon is what you're telling me. I, ha- I still haven't watched it yet. Uh, I, I, it didn't look like a movie for me yeah, until the, en- the entire alumni group from JMU was like, you have to watch this movie because they mentioned JMU in the movie. <laughs> it's really <laughs> long, right? Do what? Isn't it really long? I, I, I don't. I have no idea. It is. No. <laughs> all it's movies nine, it's feel. 98 minutes long. All movies feel like they're two hours and 10 minutes to me so now. It's regardless of how long they actually It's are. extremely short. Dakota Johnson's in it. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Big fan. Um, Anyways. Yeah. What what's. Here's what I'm really excited about. Uh, and, and I would have said this regardless of, you know, all of the other stuff that's going on right now. I really like that we finally are effectively turning video games into movies and TV shows. I guess not. it's not at 100% rate because that Assassin's Creed movie was god-awful. Hey, really quickly, what is the... I saw Craig Mazin. I'm not a video gamer, so I don't know what... But he's adapting a video game. Is that supposed to be a really big deal? Do you know what it I'm is? I'm guessing you're talking about The Last of Us. But yeah, maybe. It was the one that was announced like two... I'm just a big Craig Mazin fan, Chernobyl and all that stuff. Phenomenal. And I think, yeah, is that the one that he's doing? I'm guessing I'm sure. it's, and I was about to mention that, uh, but yeah, he's doing, to be a big he's doing deal. the last of us. supposed to be a really big deal. He's yeah. doing the last of us. So I, I was about to, I didn't know who was adapting it. I didn't know it was Mason, but Can obviously, here? yeah, go ahead. So I'm not a video gamer. I don't know any video games. Are there any movies based on video games that a non-gamer would not mind? Movies? I think it's really tough because they, they almost always flop. Because, and, and I think not to like go super deep into why like some art works as some, in some forms of art and not in others. But I think when you look at a game, it's, it's a personal, like you're putting yourself in the shoes of the character. You're actively doing that where you might not do that with every movie. And then the other thing about games is they're drawn out over hours and hours and hours and hours. And they have all these complex themes a lot of the times when they're done well. And if you try to compress that into an hour and 45 minutes, it just doesn't work. So movies, I think the hit rate is very, very low. What's I, a good one? What we're, I, I honestly don't know if I can name one off the top of my head. Really? Yeah. So that, that's how big of a problem it is. It is, yeah. But we're seeing it now. And, and well, and the other problem is they, they're clearly trying to expand the market. Like, hey, we're going to take this thing that's known by gamers and we're going to try to make it appealing to everybody and trying to like open up the material just doesn't ever work. But it probably works financially because there's a baked-in audience to that. I'm sure everybody goes and sees it, right? I, I, think, I think most of them flop. I think most of them flop critically, commercially, everything. Um, 
but but we're seeing more games get turned into TV shows now. And we saw it with Netflix adapting The Witcher a couple of months ago, which I'm pretty sure you and I have talked about off the air, and I don't think you've seen it yet. Uh, or nor maybe will you that ever. That is not on the Andrew Doughty list. Yeah, that's what I remember you saying, is that's not really your, your thing. But it did really well. Even with people who aren't gamers, even with people who maybe weren't necessarily looking for that type of thing. And obviously it did, it did well on the heels of Game of Thrones because I think the Game of Thrones crowd was sort of looking for their next TV show. And it's going to draw a lot of comparisons. It's way different, but I get it. There are people with swords, so you know it's going to get compared. The Witcher did really well, and now The Last of Us, which is a, a PlayStation game from five, six, seven years ago, very critically acclaimed. What you know when it came out was hailed as this probably one of the ten best games ever made. It's it is it, it involves zombies, but it's not a zombie game. I, I feel like when people get the idea of a zombie game, they they get a very specific idea, and they're right to have that specific idea because it's a formula that's been done over and over and over again. This is a narrative, this is a story, and there are zombies involved. Uh, it's and they're not even zombies. It's almost more like think if you've seen Supernatural, it's like Cro- the Croton virus. It's more like that than anything else. Um, anyways, it is Craig Mazin. Yeah, yeah and, and Ellen Page plays the girl in the game, and so it had a remarkable cast even for the game. So I think it's very adaptable. It could be a great show. And uh, obviously all of this is laying the groundwork for my Mass Effect script that I'm writing. So I'm just really excited about the whole thing. You know, one thing, I'm going to give you the floor here to talk about video games. I know you said you have a podcast coming out this week, kind of talking about the same thing here. But I'm you've seen Chernobyl, right? Yes, I'm still shocked by how many, and I get it's on HBO and it's kind of, it's hard to find if you, if you don't want to do it illegally, but I'm still shocked at how many people haven't seen it because it's, it's including movies, TV shows, everything. It's probably in the top five of things that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm still shocked at how many people haven't seen it, especially during this bizarre, loosely related times that we're going through. Does that surprise you how many people haven't seen it? No, because... (sighs) It's, first of all, the name, it sounds historical, right? So that's that's going to wipe a bunch of people out. It's on HBO. That's going to wipe a bunch of people out. But you're right. It is really good. I mean, it's phenomenal. So I mean, yeah. Can you name five things that are better? Off the top of your head, can you? I cannot. I can name ones that are close. But on, I love, I think Breaking Bad is the best TV show. I don't really see Chernobyl as a TV show. I see it as an extended movie. And I think Chernobyl, it's just, it's better. I can't even, it's more of, I appreciate, and I listened to, to his podcast with John August. And like for two years, he was talking about how he was working on some project that requires massive amounts of research. And you, you didn't know what it was until obviously it was announced. And I can't even imagine how much time and work into, went into this. So I almost feel like I should appreciate it even more and move it farther up the list because it's so well done and it's so perfect. In that idea of it's not a TV show, it's an extended movie, right? Because we're talking about sort of like the miniseries idea. Like I I would take – there's there's not a lot of competition in that lane, you know, because it lives between the two worlds. I think this first season of True Detective is better than it. But other than that, like I don't know, man. It's It's up there. How often do you watch, and this is very often for me, how often do you watch a movie and you say, Joker, for example, I was watching Joker a few weeks back, 
And how often do you say, you know what, it was it was good, but I kind of wish it was a miniseries because I wanted a little bit more. Not enough to be a TV show, but I wanted another, you know, five or six hours. How often do you say that to yourself? Uh, a lot. And to take it to a controversial place that I know you're going to disagree with me because we've had this conversation off the air. Uh, I wish... Uh, I, I wish that a certain extra long movie that was recently put on Netflix that you don't like was actually a miniseries and not a movie. I would be fine if The Irishman was just wiped off of Netflix and I didn't have to see it every time I logged in. I know you feel that way. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm watch, again, I'm watching Goodfellas right now and it's it's the same exact movie. Like, I get it. I get why it is. And it's the same people working on it and all that. But it's the same exact movie but way worse. It feels like some kid grew up loving Goodfellas and then just made a ripoff of it. And it is terrible. I'm sorry. You can have the floor of your video game discussion now as an apology. Uh, oh, look, not even a full discussion, just a, a quick plug, I guess. There has never been, I think, in my lifetime a more socially acceptable time to just waste entire days playing video games. Yeah, before you were just a lazy piece of shit, and now you're saving everybody by quarantining yourself. Right, now you're saving the world by... When now you're, you're a civil servant. Right, right. You're, you're you're saving the world, the actual world, when you're in your house saving a pretend world. Yeah, before you were just a fat piece of shit sitting right. on your couch eating Twinkies and playing Last of Us or whatever. Now you're not alcoholic, you're just enjoying a casual beverage and saving the world. Yeah, so I definitely think... You know, it's a good time to to maybe lean into the gaming space, even if it's only temporarily. Uh, for one thing, there there is a new console cycle coming soon, so like they're going to release a new Xbox and a new PlayStation probably in the next twelve or fourteen months. So you can get the current ones very cheap because they're going to put out a new one soon, uh, or you can play PC games and you know, I I, I put together like a Discord channel. And I made like half a dozen of my friends buy Civilization so that we can all just sort of like talk and hang out together from our own respective houses. Uh, so it's just a good time to get into that. And if if you are interested in, hey, I, I, I think I might want to do that. I might want to burn some time playing a game, like, you know, getting these great stories that are being told, you know, better than they've ever been before. Uh, because narrative gaming, I mean, it, it's kind of like TV shows in the last 15 years. The quality of the TV shows has just skyrocketed. Now we're getting all this great art in the TV form. It's kind of the same for gaming. It used to just be, hey, we're going to give you mindless entertainment. And now it's these like incredible stories that HBO is adapting and all these things. So if you're interested, if you're looking for some recommendations, I have a podcast coming out probably around the same time that this episode of High Motor is coming out with some recommendations from the last... 10 or 11 years on some of the best games that you can play to, to kill some time and uh, learn a new great story. Master of None? Master of None is the name of the podcast. iTunes, all that stuff? iTunes, all that stuff. Great. So subscribe to that one. And then while you're doing that, if you're not subscribed to this one, uh, please do that too. Because coming on Wednesday of this week, so that'll be Wednesday, March 25th, couple guests slotted in. Alex Kirshner, strong, strong Twitter follow. He's coming from SB Nation and Connor O'Neill of the, the Winston-Salem Journal. As we still kind of await what Wake Forest is going to do with Danny Manning, no real announcement. We've gotten that um, elsewhere, like Minnesota said they're keeping Richard Patino. Haven't been many firings. We're sitting here on Sunday, and I think we're still sitting at 17 or 18 job changes 
Uh, well, I guess JMU just just poached Georgia Southern, so we might be at 19. They did, they did. No, yep, yep. So uh, maybe Danny Manning will be fired by Wednesday, and we'll have a ton to talk about with Connor O'Neill, or maybe he'll still be head coach by Wednesday, and we'll still have a ton to talk about with Connor O'Neill. Buy out why they gave him that deal and a bunch more. So check out Chase's podcast, Master of None, and we would love to have you back here on Wednesday. You can send any questions you might have for Alex or Connor to the show on Twitter, at High Motor Pod. Chase, one more movie recommendation. What do you got? Anything ever written by Aaron Sorkin. Ever. How about that? That seems fair. I just went back and watched The Social Network a couple weeks ago. That is still awesome. It's still incredible. I... I don't love all of his his movies, but I love that there are no lulls. They're they're a very crisp, fast watch. Yeah, you don't look at your watch or your phone while you're you're doing it. You you plop it in, you plop Molly's game in for the nine hundredth time, and you just watch it. There are no lulls with it. Watch Molly's game over the weekend again. Although Kevin Costner at the end felt a little forced, I would have been fine if that didn't happen. Yeah. I was I was even okay with the scene. I just it was too long. Like he he gave you too much, and that scene's like twelve minutes long. And it was like by the end, okay, I got it. Like you're you know everything. I understand. It just felt a little. And and Sorkin sometimes does this. This is what you and I both love, Newsroom. But there are, in my opinion, some kind of like cheesy cliche moments in that with with dialogue especially in, in early in the first season like episode two and three kind of weird storylines in my opinion and that's where like that skating scene in molly's game just gets a little too weird and cheesy and cheeky i would have been fine if they had just wiped that out he showed up at like the the trial for 30 or 90 seconds or whatever and that was fine i didn't even love the flashbacks that much he, i don't know he if definitely struggles needed. with subtle he struggles to do subtle well yeah yeah that's fair but he, right. I guess that's a good trade-off if you are going to write, like, incredible dialogue. Then I, I can learn to live with that. All right, Chase. Thanks for coming to this episode of the High Motor Podcast. Again, check out Chase's podcast, Master of None, this week. I'll be back on Wednesday again with Alex Kirshner, Connor O'Neill. In the meantime, the show on Twitter, at High Motor Five. Th- at High Motor Pod or Fod? I think we're going to go with Pod. LaBeef. LaBeef. Thanks for dropping by this episode of the High Motor Podcast. Country Road. Take me home to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. Take me home, country road.